And in this season, especially this series, gives us confidence and hope as we focus our eyes on Jesus. This series, I Am Jesus in His Own Words, is an opportunity for us to focus our gaze back on Him. With so much going on in our world, it's an opportunity to focus our attention on Him. We've looked at a number of themes through this series, these claims that Jesus has made, that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, the, the gate and the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. And today we're going to focus on these words, today I am the way, the truth and the life, said Jesus. Now I want to ask you a question. Where do you focus or where do you find encouragement in tough situations? Where do you find hope? What is your go-to when things get tough? Supposedly at the moment, uh, through COVID, through this season, alcohol uh, sales have gone through the roof. So it seems more people have been turning to a drink to maybe calm the nerves, to calm their anxieties. I wonder if you find yourself eating more. Do you find comfort in food? I know I find myself just standing at the fridge looking for something to eat. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm sure uh, maybe ice cream sales have even gone up in the midst of this time. We, we have these places that we go to for a quick fix, don't we, where we're not fe- feeling well, when we're discouraged, when we're, when we're anxious, when we're fearful. Maybe you go to a, a, a friend, maybe you go to family. I wonder where you go. In our text that we're looking at today, Jesus' disciples find themselves in a very discouraged, fearful place. They were in a, in a situation where they could not understand what was about to happen or what Jesus was about to do. We're going to be reading from John chapter 14 and you might like to look at the preceding chapters uh, even in your time this week. But if you have a look, Jesus is starting to prepare the disciples for the fact that he is about to be taken, that he is about to leave. He shares with them that he's about to be betrayed, that he's about to be arrested. He even shares that one of them within their midst would betray him. He turns also and shares that one in their midst would deny him. And so as you could imagine, they're a little discouraged. These are not the most encouraging words. They were discouraged because they had given their lives to follow him. They had given their their lives, they'd, they'd left the past behind, they had lived, breathed, they'd been on the road with him, some for over three years. And many were even prepared to die for him. And so it's in this place, as Jesus shares these words, they're actually quite discouraged. But then Jesus continues on and he shares these words in John 14 from verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled says Jesus, trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. These are the words that Jesus uses to encourage his disciples. Don't be troubled, says Jesus. Trust in God, trust in me in the midst of the chaos. Focus your attention on me. Jesus encourages them to keep their eyes on two things. Firstly, on him. Trust in me, trust in God. Then he continues on and he shares. He says, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. I go to prepare a place for you. And in this passage, although the core and the heart is I am the way, the truth and the life, Jesus declares a number of I am statements. And the first is this, I am preparing a place. As Jesus encourages his disciples, he encourages them to place their eyes and their focus on him and he encourages them about another place that he will prepare for them. He encourages them to take their eyes off what is going on around them and to focus their eyes on eternity, on eternal life with him. And the focus, it's interesting. It's interesting that the focus is not so much on the place. If you read closer, you'll see see that Jesus shares, I am preparing a place for you, but then he doesn't go on. He doesn't go on to explain that place like a real estate agent would explaining a house or a property. He doesn't go on to start talking about a physical location, about the perks it might have. No, he goes on to talk about that place as being the place where he is going. He says, you will always be with me where I am going. As he says, you know where I am going for this place is not so much about the destination but about the person. And so for us also as we, we live life in, at the moment in, in, in crazy times, uneasy times, we can have hope by placing our 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 thoughts, our attention, our eyes on Jesus, on who he is and on the eternal life that he promises for all who would follow him. But as we think about these things, be reminded again that eternity or heaven, eternal life itself is not about a place as much as it is about a person. It is about the place where Jesus resides. Love these words in Revelation 21.3. If you've ever read this, this, this portion of scripture, it, it, it's a beautiful depiction of God on his throne, Jesus Christ and, and of heaven, the new heaven that will come. And it's described in these words, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. See, this is the reality of heaven. His presence is heaven itself. Heaven is where Jesus resides. If you think about a home, 
as compared to a house? Well, the, the house is simply the shell, the bricks and the mortar. But a home, a home is where life is lived. It's a place where, where experiences are shared, where, where friendships are built, where, where families grow up together. The bricks and the mortar are just the shell, simply the, the habitat for the life that resides within. In the same way, Jesus encourages us to look towards a place where he will be, a place where we will go to be with him. See, in the same manner, heaven without Jesus is just an empty shell. It's an abandoned house, even an empty grave. Jesus with God the Father is the destination. So we can be encouraged and find hope when we fix our eyes on him. And when we fix our eyes on the hope of eternal life that we have in him. We will go to be with him. Some days, and for some people when life gets so tough, there is no hope in this world to look forward to, except in Jesus Christ and in eternal life with him. Jesus shares he is going to prepare a place and all of those who would follow him, they will go to, go to be with him. It makes me wonder. We know in scripture that it took... It took Jesus seven days to create our world. Yet it's been 2,000 years since Jesus shared these words, so I wonder what he will come up with in that time. <laughs> bit tongue in cheek, a bit tongue in cheek there, of course. But we'll go to be in this amazing place that God is preparing for his people where he is. And so in this, in this time where we watch the news and we see, much, see, so, see so much discord, we can be reminded that this is not the full story. God has so much more in store. We can get so focused on our, on our lives here and now, on living day to day. But be encouraged, this is not the pinnacle of our existence, for eternal life is yet to come. So Jesus encourages his disciples, he encourages us with these words, he continues. As the story continues, Jesus says, you know where I am going. And I love Thomas, I love his reply. No, says Thomas, we don't know where you were going, so how can we know the way? I am so glad that Thomas asked that question. I am glad that he was not too polite. I'm glad that he didn't just maybe nod pretending that he knew the answer, like we sometimes do. No, I am glad that he was honest enough to say, Jesus, we don't know where you were going, because with his question we find one of the most amazing answers in all of Scripture. Jesus responds to his question, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come to God the Father except through me says Jesus. And Jesus makes this gloriously inclusive and wonderfully exclusive claim all at the same time. It's inclusive because he offers it to all people. This is an invitation that goes out to every single person. It's an invitation that goes out to me. It's an invitation that goes out to you wherever you may be sitting here this morning. 
Jesus invites everyone to come to the Father through him, to have eternal life through him. He invites all people. And yet it's exclusive because he is the only way. Jesus offers himself as the only way to experience these incredible realities. As many might say, there are not many paths. No, there aren't. Salvation runs exclusively through him, yet he offers it freely to all people. And so it seems that this claim that Jesus makes, this statement, causes much offence in our world. For we live in a, in a world and a society with no absolute truth, so it is claimed. We are told that there are many paths, there are many ways. We are told that, well, what is good for you, so be it. We are told, well, if that's your experience, then it must be true. It must be your interpretation of the truth. It seems that many people are absolutely certain that there is no absolute truth, which is quite insane. I'm going to pause and think about this for a moment because there are many laws that are at work in our world. And if we compare this to the physical physical realities in the world, if we apply this logic to the physical world around us, it just does not make sense. I enjoyed a, a recent movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's called Hidden Figures. It was made in 2000, uh, released, sorry, in 2016. And it's an American biographical drama. It's about an African-American female and a number of African-American mathematicians called computers who worked at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, known as NASA, during the space race in the 1960s. One of the main characters is Katherine Johnson and she works as a human computer. In a time as computers were just beginning, the mathematics were done by uh, an office full of these women, mathematicians, brilliant ladies. And in this movie, against all the odds, she impresses her colleagues with her exceptional ability with complex calculations. And in the midst of this story, the IBM computer starts to raise its head. NASA purchases this, this computer, this room full of technology, which would eventually take over from the role of these, these women. They're brought in to replace the manual mathematicians. However, the astronaut, especially John Glee, is not impressed as the computer from time to time is not quite accurate enough and in a very moving scene in one of the most encouraging I found throughout the whole movie is a time when John Glee is about to, to enter the spacecraft. Yet not quite trusting the, the calculations of this computer, he says simply that unless Catherine Johnson does the calculations, he will not fly. <laughs> and so she does, she comes, she affirms the calculations and we could say the rest is history. And this is a vital and moving scene. But why all the fuss? Why did it really matter to this astronaut so much? It mattered because the calculations were vitally important, because even the slightest error would have seen the Mercury spacecraft, which was called Friendship 7, hurtling into space on an incorrect trajectory. More importantly, however, it would lead to the death of the astronaut, John Glee himself, 
the correct details were vitally important to get the spacecraft into space and in future and subsequent uh, moon landings, accurate mathematics were required to enable the astronauts to land safely on the, on the moon. Without it, they would not get safely to their destination. Accurate, tested, reliable laws were at work to get that spaceship and its inhabitants safely to its destination. It was not left to chance or to the whim or to the wish of any one person or what they may have believed. And it mattered because there are physical realities, the law of physics at work in our world. What is true for our, spiritual, our physical world sorry, is also true of our spiritual world. Somehow, we like to think that, well, these truths and these laws only work in the physical, but not so much in the spiritual. But there are spiritual truths that defy our opinions or our desires, whatever we may think they are. So I ask, why do so many people leave their eternal destiny to such flippant ideas? Our eternal destinies are far more important than any moon landing. And we thank God for Jesus Christ, for he came to reveal that truth. He came to make the way. Jesus makes this claim as he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's Catherine Johnson, the real life Catherine, and of course the astronaut John Glee are from Uh, that the movie was depicted from. Jesus makes this claim, I am the way. It's interesting. As Jesus makes this claim, Jesus is not saying, I will show you the way, or I will show you the truth, or I will teach it to you, or I will direct you to eternal life. No, Jesus claims to be the way. Jesus claims to be the truth. He claims to be the life. These are found in him. They are sourced. They originate in the very person of Jesus Christ. This is also why he is the only way. Because he is the destination. We find our way to God for Jesus himself is God. I am the way, Jesus starts by saying. Jesus claims these words simply for Sin itself can only be destroyed by his life, by his death, by his resurrection. It is only possible to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, verse 10 and 11 and also verses 17 to 19, I'd like to read these, open them up with you in your scriptures, have a look at these. This unpacks this idea furthermore in the book of Romans. From verse 10 in Romans 5 we read, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And in verse 17 if you're reading in Romans, Paul contrasts the sin of Adam that came to the life of Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 17, for the sin of this one man Adam caused death to rule over many. 
But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God, a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. I love this passage. How clear does it show that only Jesus can be the way? Sin is destroyed and defeated because of Jesus, because of his life, his death and his resurrection. There is no other way. Jesus also said these words, I am the truth. I am the truth. And Jesus spoke these words with authority. Jesus spoke these words for he is the very source of truth. Now as Jesus lived and it was recorded, many people were impressed, offended even by his words. One of the reasons they were offended, one of the key reasons they were offended because it was because of the way that he spoke with great authority. I'll show you, have a look at Matthew 7, 28 and 29. This verse, these words are shared after Jesus has just taught uh, the disciples some of the, with some of the, the wisest sayings you could find with his Sermon on the Mount. As he finishes this these teachings, many, uh, we, we, we read these verses. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus taught with an authority that none of the other teachers had. Because Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Seventy-three times throughout the Gospel, Jesus uses this phrase, I tell you the truth. You see, teachers, they quote the source of truth. Muhammad, even Gandhi quote Jesus. Yet Jesus Christ never quotes anyone else than God through the prophets and the written word of God. Quoting is borrowing from another source. Jesus claimed to be the very source itself. Jesus is the truth. And then Jesus makes his other claim, and I am the life. And Jesus can claim these words, for all life originated in him. For he was the very creator of the world. All things were created through him. Have a look at Colossians. Colossians 1.15 says this, speaking of Jesus Christ, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Jesus Christ is the very source of life itself. Life itself was created through 
And as we've already read, we are also redeemed by him and we can continue to live forever with him. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. We read in John 10.10. I am the way, the truth and the life, says Jesus. All of these things are found and sourced in him. There is no other way. For he is the very source of each. Jesus doesn't stop here. See, Jesus also makes this radical claim. Jesus continues and says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, Philip asks, Lord, Jesus, show us the Father, show us God, show us God the Father. And Jesus turns and says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that he is in me, says Jesus. The words I speak are not mine, but my Father's who lives in me and does his work through me. Now, this is an amazing and radical truth because as we see Jesus, as we look at Jesus, we see God himself. And I was a child. When I was a child, I would often pause and wonder what God looks like. Have you ever done that? I wonder what comes to mind. This question makes me think of a song by Joanne Osborne, Joan, sorry I should say, titled, What If God Was One Of Us? And I must admit, it's quite a cheesy little a tune and we can sort of sing it along in this sort of pleasant little way. But the words are quite interesting. If you read them just as they are, try to push the tune aside They're quite profound. The lyrics go, If God had a name, what would it be? And would you call it to his face? If you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? And then there's the chorus. God is great, God is good. Continues, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? God had a face, what would it look like? And would you want to see it if seeing meant that you would have to believe in the things like heaven, in Jesus, the saints and all the prophets? What if God was one of us? It's an interesting song unpacking this idea that the truth is also hidden in the detail. For the truth is, that we see God in Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. If we want to know how God would respond to people, we look at Jesus and the way that he responded to those around him, the way that he loved those around him. We see God in Jesus Christ. John, at the very beginning of this Gospel, He introduces it with these words. They might be a little small if you're reading from home, so open your Bibles to John chapter 1. You see, the very book begins with these words. And the introduction is very important to any book because it it states the purpose for the writing. And in 1 John, Jesus Christ is introduced as the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. 
The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. And then verse 10, he came into the very world he created but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who himself who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. These words speak of Jesus Christ who came to this world to reveal God to us, to show us who God is. And in the midst of that, to invite us to walk with him. What hope we can have in Jesus Our hope can be in him. As Jesus encouraged those disciples, he encourages us today. We can place our hope in Jesus Christ. and We can know life now and we can have hope for eternal life through him and with him. All revealed. God himself revealed to us. Thanks and praise be to God for he is the way to eternal life. He is the way to God himself. The invitation stands. Will you follow his way? I know I can often be stubborn at times. I wonder if you do the same, if you're going to a place and you're given directions. And we can often push those directions aside. Yeah, no, no, I know the way, I'll work it out. We often push aside instructions. Ah, oh, no, no, I can, I'll, I'll figure it out. But it's often because of our pride and our arrogance that makes us do these things. And in the same way, it's often our pride and our arrogance that pushes us away from God. As He comes and He invites us. I am the way, He says. He invites us, come to the Father. No eternal life. Come and know a restored relationship with God himself. Come. His invitation stands. Will you accept it? Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. Will you accept him? Will you reach out today and in the depths of your heart place your faith in Jesus Christ? And know the hope of a life with him both now and forevermore. I pray that today that you will. That in the depths of your heart you will simply cry out, Father, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, God himself. That life is in you. I place my hope and my trust in you. And if you're here today and you have already said those words, 
you are you're already a follower of Jesus, I pray that you may place your gaze on Jesus once more in the midst of the distractions. You may find your hope in him again, for he is with you. We can have hope both now and forevermore. Can I pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, but we thank you for Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We give you praise. And we come as your people and we declare this truth that you are the truth. You are the way, you are the life. And we believe in you, Father. We thank you for the hope that we can have in you. In the midst of this season, in the midst of this uncertainty, Father, we thank you for the hope that we can have by placing and fixing our gaze on you. Lord, we thank you also that we look forward to the promise of eternal life with you. So, Lord, focus our eyes, we pray. Help us not to be distracted, Lord, by the things around us. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, I also pray for anyone out there today that may have for the first time in the depths of their heart said, I believe in Jesus, I believe he is the way. They've done that for the first time, Lord. I pray that you will just come around them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. I pray that they will know your very presence in a very real and spiritual way. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come with an extra measure of peace, extra measure of certainty and confidence, Lord, for them right now. Pray that also for every single person listening, Father. I pray that they will be filled by your Holy Spirit, Lord. That a new boldness and confidence will build within them by your Holy Spirit, Lord. That you'll flood them with your peace, Lord. So that even in the midst of these uncertain times, Lord, we will know and have confidence in you. We look forward to a life, eternal life with you. Lord, both now and forevermore. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people say you might want to shout. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Amen.